God's blessing on the word. Dear Lord, we're very thankful for that which your son came to do. Here, centuries and millennia later, we are standing in your debt because of the salvation he died to provide. We'd ask that we would honor it in your son's name. Amen. Well, as you fully anticipated, we're in John 12. It's Palm Sunday. Other churches actually have palms out, or they hand out little palm fronds. I didn't think of it. Um, And it comes from this triumphal entry moment a week before the Lord's crucifixion. But there are some things in it, because everybody, you know, the triumphal entry, what what could be better than the, than that? I always, I grew up with parades, real parades, not U of I homecoming parades. You know, what's wrong with the U of I homecoming parade? We're a losing team, and nobody cares, nobody cares that we have a homecoming game where we even ship some team in that we think we could beat, and we still lose to them. So the homecoming parade, and then the homecoming parade, other than the U of I band, the U of I marching band is great, but every other marching band, my gosh, they should be shot. At least the directors should be shot. Just the leg, they don't don't march, they just walk. There are keyboards in the band. How does a keyboard get in a band? There's all sorts of wrong things. I was raised in Annapolis, Maryland with the Naval Academy, which has standards marched in step. The whole brigade of midshipmen would march in step with no band at all. They would just march. I like parades. I would like to hear that I'd like to hear the triumphal entry of Christ, Palm Sunday, was more than a homecoming parade. But it was a bit more of something else. And I'm not sure that it wasn't. I'm not sure that it was. I I have mixed feelings about Palm Sunday. I start here on the right-hand side with the first verse of the chapter to let you know when we are. I skip over a few verses because I I, I preached on the anointing in Bethany Uh, not too long ago, but six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. So that's where Lazarus and Mary and Martha lived. There's another scene in the first eight verses that, as you can tell, I'm already stacked to the bottom to get through the chapter. But whatever the case, he is visiting Lazarus, who um, last week he raised from the dead. Between the Feast of Dedication, Hanukkah, and Passover... Uh, the raising of Lazarus happens. Then Christ goes off and makes himself scarce. And he's showing up at Bethany again. Well, you have to understand that even in a uh, non-news cycle world, just gossip alone in a major city like Jerusalem, because Bethany is just outside, just the east of Jerusalem, um, the word's out. 
The word is out that somebody got raised from the dead. When the crowd, great crowd of the Jews learned that he was there, they came, not only on account of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priest planned to put Lazarus also to death, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The question I'd like you to have on your mind this morning, and not that some other wonderful things are in the passage, but I, I want you to stop and be looking at a certain aspect of it. Um, Christ in Matthew uh, chapter 11 asked the Jews about John the Baptist. What did you go out to see? Did you go out to see a reed shaken by the wind? Did you go out to see a prophet? Yes, more than a prophet. Well, it's a great, a great passage that he talks about he and John's relationship. But I want you to be thinking about it this morning as if you're the Jews in Jerusalem and you heard that this Jesus is in Bethany. And what did you go out to see? What did you go out to see? What? Some of the Jews, the phrasing of that, not only on account of Jesus, but to see Lazarus. We got a guy who's been raised from the dead. Even today, if we'd be talking about Lazarus, everybody's question is, what did he see while he was dead? He'd been dead four days. Where did he go? Did he see a bright light? Did he go toward the light? What, what, did he go to heaven and he got dragged out of heaven? I, I always did like that scene I, with, uh, I don't know for what reason. What are these films? Ice Age? There's a squirrel going after a nut and at one I don't know which movie it's in but at one point he is killed and goes to Nirvana Valhalla heaven for squirrels regarding nuts the golden gates open the nut of the uber nut is there he has entered into, entered into the beatific glory his hand is almost on it and somebody restores him to life dragging him back out of the presence of the ultimate acorn. I sort of feel for Lazarus. But you have a lot of questions for Lazarus, right? I mean, one of the benefits of being raised from the dead, knowing full well you will die again. How, how casually you will be going about that. Not a problem, been there. I was dead four days once. Um, the um, um, boy, okay, grandson. See ya. Um, when you ask yourself, what did I go out to see when I heard that Jesus was in Bethany? I'm going to get some answers, and what did I see when I got there? There's some things that you can see how the Jews, the leaders of the Jews, are being um, are responding to this. The, the masses are curious, but that curiosity isn't enough. Okay, but it's 
opposite the Jews who are saying, okay, we've got to kill this guy too. We've got to kill Lazarus too. What do you think when you think of Jesus Christ? What do you, how do you read when you read what he says? Do you find that he insults some of your church background? Do you find that he insults some of your views of the world? That you can't accept that. You have to decide what kind of approach. Think of a variety of approaches to what did you go out to see. We're all, you know, people who are at church in the morning on Palm Sunday. And so we've got varying degrees and interests in Christ. What do we mean by it? What do we see when we get there? The next day, a great crowd who had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Listen in that remark, what they went to see. They went down for the parade, and what they were seeing, like if you go down to the homecoming parade, because my wife and I graduated from the U of I, you would think homecoming, living in the town, we would go down to the parade. But if we went down to the parade, we'd be down there because we are alumni, right? Not because we're cheering on the team, but because we're alumni. The Jews were down here at the parade because they were expecting the descendant of David, the king of Israel. They were doing what they could to celebrate what good expectation they had. It wasn't quite wrong and it wasn't quite right. And Jesus found a young ass and sat upon it, as it is written, as that of Zechariah 9. Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on an ass's colt. So he's playing into that, the king of Israel. He comes in the name of the Lord. He, he, he uh, in another place, I don't remember the passage right off, where he said, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Is that... We remember that? He, he, he validates this response, but you're looking at people showing up at a parade. The Lord takes part in it. It's not, he's not anti their level of response, but their level of response, remember, he's dead in a week. Okay? Same crowd, same city, everybody yelling, release Barabbas. Everybody yelling, crucify him. A week later. Where we realize that some steps toward God, we realize that steps towards God, steps towards Christ, can be rightly taken, but they're not taken all the way. His disciples did not understand this at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that this had been written of him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, bore witness. Now, just a second. We can buy more doors. Blessed are the children. Or suffer the little children, I prefer. Um, 
All of this, we're, we're in the middle of a Christian moment. We are in the middle of a Christian moment. We are in a free country where the gospel is preached, where churches with steeples exist, where Christians can get together freely. Even if it's a post-Christian world, we're in a, we have Christian moment all the time. We have people that sing the praises of God together. We have Christian music that you can buy, Christian movies that you can avoid going to see. Um, there's just all sorts of Christian things out there. And Christ, in the middle of this Lazarus week, couple weeks, it's, it's kind of gotten really Christian. The people who were there at the tomb, remember how he said when Mary went out to meet uh, uh, Christ, the crowd thought she was going out to mourn at the tomb, so they followed her. So they were there when Jesus deals with Mary. And so they have this, this group, large group of people, probably from Jerusalem, who were there and saw this. Then they went back after the weekend and told all of Jerusalem. It says that in verse 17. The crowd that had been with him when he recalled Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. It means they, that's a fancy way of saying they told people. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. Okay? So we've got this exciting thing to see, person to encounter that that you have an, a hope and an aspiration regarding. It's going to depend, Christ is Christ. What he says is what he says. You're the variant. His, uh, effect varies. And what you want to do, you want to be honest in, in assessing where you are in the Lord. You want to know what effect has he had on you. Do you want him to have more effect? The Pharisees then said to one another, you see that you could do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. You feel, you feel for them. Yeah. You ever feel sorry for some local burger joint? Red Robin moves to town, crushes them. I, I especially like that Nora Ephron movie. Is it You Got Mail? Is that the one? Where Fox Books crushes the little shop around the corner. I'm grateful that they made that a pleasant little shop where they read books to children. And corporate comes in, and they're out of business. And they made him the romantic lead. That's great. You know, it, was just, it was tremendous. Well, it was very well done. Um, but we feel for that. You ever feel, ever wonder, when Jesus starts to be understood by you, and you are being drawn on to a deeper walk with Christ than your whole Christian circumstance ever would allow or suggest. You will find in Christian circles, Christian versus non-Christian circles, that Christ disrupts the presumed chain of command about religious things. When someone starts to read their own Bible, know Jesus Christ themselves, follow him, you find that the Pharisees, as if we can't do anything. 
And the whole world's going after him. What is this rush to Jesus Christ? I want you to think of yourself as part of this pursuit, whether you're just attending the homecoming parade, or whether you are like some individuals. This next scene is one that I really, it, it's, again, I mention it a lot, but it's, it's, it's not followed up on. We don't know why it was said. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. I think King James has, we would see Jesus. Now we don't know who these Greeks were. We never see him again. But that's the prompt on this, that a number of people, remember people are coming out of town to Bethany, and then Christ comes into Jerusalem at the Passover, I mean before the Passover, big parade happens, people are thrilled, enemies are incensed, people having different levels of interest, some more in Lazarus, a guy came back from the dead, I want to talk to him, others the guy who did it. Philip went and told Andrew, Andrew went with Philip, and they told Jesus. So the message comes all the way to Jesus. Now Jesus is aware, just like you'd assume that you're aware, reading this passage, that this is about people responding to varying degrees to him, and he's prompted by a question by the Gentiles for an introduction. Can we, can we, can we meet Jesus? And Jesus answered them, this is in response, hey, there's some Greeks over there that would like to see. His answer to that is, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there shall my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, what? We just, there are some Greeks over here. I don't know if you heard me. There are some Greeks over here. They wanted to see you, and you're talking nonsense again. Because it's, for some people, it's like Jesus went off his meds. He's not, not responding to the question. There are some times we're like the disciples, where two to ten years later, you're like in verse 16. His disciples did not understand this at first, but when Jesus was glorified, they remembered. Later on you go, oh, oh, I see what he's saying. Oh, you probably read those verses with some comfort because you knew about the, you know about the crucifixion. Here it is, Palm Sunday, 2,000 years later, we're celebrating the crucifixion and the resurrection. So the whole, he who loves his life loses it, he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. This is all very meaningful. But to the guy on the other side, a week before, kind of after the homecoming parade where everybody still believes the Vandals are going to win, what are you saying? 
that you're, it sounds like you're going to die and that anybody who wants to follow you is going to die. That's what I'm hearing. We're going to win against Montana State. Yay, go Vandals. You went to the parade. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. The mood, the people who are looking for Jesus Christ, whether it's the crowd, whether it's the Pharisees, whether it's these Greeks, Jesus is saying, you know, I'm here doing something, and the key thing, listen to what I'm saying to you, I'm saying to you. Okay? Because we would, how many of us would like to have a religion that was a bit more, you know, dancing in the aisles and, you know, having, having a good time. Well, I don't know what you think of as a good time. A lot, you know, church camps. We don't have a church camp. Church camp outs. But what's it going to be for us? So we don't, do we want to have what Jesus has laid in front of you. Because we're not shopping here as a group for a religion for us to have as a group. You have a variety of different viewpoints of your Christian faith, but each of you found Jesus Christ. And what you found ought to be what Christ represents when he speaks. So that if you're one of the Greeks, I want to meet Jesus Christ, he goes, ah, grasshopper, if you are going to be my servant, you have to follow me because you need to be where I am. That's what servants do. And this involves eternal life. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Into verse 26. Now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, for this purpose I have come to this hour. And remember, you're the one who has shown some interest in meeting Jesus. One way or another. Some of the kids go to the homecoming parade, not because they even understand how bad our teams are, but politicians throw candy at you. So, young people like to go to the parades. You can be here for all sorts of reasons, but no matter what reason, as, a, as the candy bounces off your head, Jesus Christ is saying to you, um, this purpose I have come, this is the reason I have come, to this hour, Father, glorify thy name. Now, when a voice like that in history, 6,000 years waiting for this. He's standing there troubled over his own impending death. And anybody who's standing around who's come to see him is trying to sort out what kind of salvation this is. Are we going to win against the Romans? Are we just going to you know, have a, a kind of a great philosophy that leads us to a tranquil life? Or will we be forgiven for our sins? What did you go out to see? What did you see when you got there? Because Jesus is saying things that some of these disciples wrote down. John, whom he loved, wrote this down. 
And he's asking the Father to glorify his name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. So something, something momentous where something we're curious about. We're standing there. He's saying difficult things or not answering direct questions. But it's answering another question. And he is feeling the weight of what you know he had to do. You know he had to die. He knew he had to die. He is counting on glorifying the Father's name. And God says, I will. Have and will. The crowd, this is a great portion, standing by heard it and said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, um, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. It's because of people like you. Well, you say, well, if it was for their sake, why did they say it was thundered? Why did they say an angel had spoken? When God had spoken. Because that's why it came. To find out, this is a conversation. You go to see Jesus. What did you go to see? What did you see when you got there? What did he say to you? And how did you act? What did you say it was? Jesus is a great man, great teacher, great ethical guide. Some kind of mystery or serious thing was with him spiritually, but was he glorified? Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the ruler of this world be cast out. I'm not going to go into your view, my views of Satan, but he said now, that was a while ago, now is the judgment of this world. And I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show by what death he was to die in case you missed the hint. The crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Now, not that you shouldn't have questions, but I don't like the way that this crowd is talking. Because there are some things in your walk, spiritually, that things you read in the Bible that our Lord and Christ said. You go, but... I have my own Bible, right here. Harold Lenzel did the notes, very notable conservative Christian. He doesn't like the fact that Christ claims to have tossed out the ruler of this world. So he has a footnote explaining that Jesus didn't really mean that. Thank you. Glad to know that you're there for my safety. So that instead of believing Jesus, I can believe Harold Lenzel who wants to reassure me that the doctrines I am espousing in Christ are not acceptable. The Jews are saying, oh, we, we know about the Messiah, he lives forever. How could you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Jesus said to them, the light is with you for a little longer. We covered this a few weeks ago. This is light. You realize God incarnate, the fullness of deity dwelling bodily, maker of heaven and earth, here on earth, 
having conversations with men, loving people, being loved by people, dying, being tempted. The light is with you a little longer. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. Look at that equation. There's a recognition. This is a light that is at, coming at you. This is a belief that you choose to have or not to have, that you may become something. You recognize that it's light. Do you believe what it is? Do you believe what he says? Because that's the path to becoming a son of it. A lot of people haven't read their Bibles. Excuses can be made. Um, usually there. I tried to read Amos and I got bored. Okay, we'll read something else then. Well, well, that's my excuse though. I got bored reading Amos. Okay. Or they apologize. Yeah, I probably should read my Bible more. Well, I haven't read all of it, which means I haven't read any of it. Read the Gospels, for heaven's sake. Because while you are reading the Gospels, it's your moment, like these people, where you're with the light for a little longer. For a little longer, you stand in the recounting of that light. And without that light, when the darkness comes, when, the, when, the light, when that light went out, what you picked up, what you took away from it, what light you received, is all you have. And it's so that you could see the world around you. If you don't see the world around you, you don't know where things are. You don't know where bad things are. You don't know where good things are. You don't have to tell the difference. Did you notice how bright Jesus Christ is? That's what's scary. I've mentioned this before, but... You know, I've read some other stuff of other famous religious leaders, and my gosh, what, they're pikers. You know, you people think, well, you know, Confucius and Krishna and Jesus, all the same. No. They're schlocky. They're platitudinous. They say some good things. I mean, Krishna, he's blue, for heaven's sake. Jesus Christ is brilliant. And I don't just mean smart, like we science Einsteinian smart. Brilliant. That bright. Where you where you where you feel, you know how you're saying it is well with my soul? And there are a couple of those verses are just it's not it's not just the music, it's the lyric. My sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross. What's the verse before that? Um, regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It, you know how you feel, right? Good singing, good congregation, people stopping on that one note. Boom. 
You feel the tears well up. You're looking at something wonderful. And when you sit with the Lord's teaching in the Gospels, you have the light, and it's brilliant. It's been glorified. God has been glorified in what Christ is doing. Christ has been glorified. In the sense that you think of glory. If you said somebody, somebody, I saw a vision and it was glorious. Somebody goes, oh, you were like a really bright. Yeah, that kind of bright, that kind of glory. We want to become sons of the light. While you have the light, believe the light. When you see it, when you went out to see Jesus Christ, what did you encounter? What did you expect to see? What did you see? Do you believe what you saw? You will become sons of what you saw. When Jesus said this, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, yet they did not believe in him. Now remember, we... 2,000 years later, with it in a very popular book, this is probably the most popular book in human history. Everybody's had a copy. Some of you have, like, lots of copies. Some people don't have a Bible. Souls in torment. They don't believe. Do you believe? What did you see? Did you see the founder of our religion? Kind of Jesus, Brigham Young, kind of your version. Yours, your Mohammed is Jesus. Is he the founder of Christianity for you? And that's all those groups of all those steeple buildings that have different charming traditions that you want to be a part of. Or did you meet the glorified? They did not believe in him, even though he's wandering around raising the dead. We, remember, we do not have the light anymore. We have to go back and look at the light, the record of the light that was said to us, and then we become sons of light. It was the, that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. This is out of Isaiah 53. Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? It's the big question. What did you go out to see? What did you see when you got there? Did you believe? Were you turned into sons of light? Do you know where you're going in life? That wonderful passage in Isaiah 53. It's the first verse of Isaiah 53. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no form or comeliness that we should look at him. And no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces... He was despised, and we esteemed him not. And it goes on. You've heard it in the Messiah. One of the just beautiful prophecy of the coming Christ. And what is it picking up to prophesy? What we chose to see. 
what we went out to look at, that we did not believe, we esteemed him not. He has hid himself from these people because after all this, I've been raising the dead, I've been walking on water, making lots of food out of one lunch. I've been doing a lot, and they don't believe. Because it's true that when people are out and about, this kind of light, this kind of brilliance, this kind of glory is not desired. Therefore, they could not believe. Isaiah again said, this is Isaiah 6, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they should see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and turn for me to heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Because the world is divided into two chunks. Those that will not see, and they end up with the Lord not letting them see. And those that did. And those that did are walk standing around like the one guy with eyesight in a room of blind people. I don't know if you've ever felt that when you're in a situation with the ungodly. Are you the one person who can see what's going on? Isaiah saw the glory and spoke this. What did we desire to see? What did we see when we got there? And as I was thinking of that concept, there's the passage, I think it's in Luke, of Simeon and Anna at the temple when the baby Jesus comes in. And Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Waiting, looking for the consolation of Israel, I think it's how it's phrased. You know, what you went out to see, in many ways, is what you were looking for. Because humility for the believer, humility, the ability to say, I can't run my own life anymore. I'm just not equipped for this. What am I? I'm, I'm waiting. What kind of consolation were you looking for? Something to vindicate your own sense of yourself? Something for our side to win because we're Western Anglo-Saxon Europeans? And we got to beat back the Muslim threat? No more. No, you're a sinner. You need the Lord. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him. In spite of this disbelief, this pattern, this general pattern is disbelief. Some do. But <laughs> it's sort of a, a dark, a dark, oh yeah, yay, our side, we got some believers. Oh, they're lousy believers. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. Lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. What kind of consolation are you looking for? What kind of truth are you looking for? What kind of brilliance does it always have to comport itself with how your life is going to turn out for you along certain other standards that I consider valuable? How much money do I have and how popular am I? People who do not like being tossed out of the church because they follow Jesus Christ. Have you ever considered, I hope you would never think we would do such a thing, but just say we're awful. 
and you're following Jesus Christ. And I said, have nothing, no more of that nonsense. Your strange religion. Who wants to be tossed out? Um, someone who just is just uh, eh, toss out. It'll be really tragic of you, my own son, you know. Just, uh, what, is this, what, what is this you're believing? What, who is this Calvin guy? <laughs> Something like that. Toss him out onto the street. Go find some other place. Oh, I don't want to leave all souls. Follow Christ. The speaking. They, they did not speak of it. They did not confess it. You will lose your life. Remember Jesus said, he who loves his life loses it and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Jesus, when he says stuff, he means stuff and that's what you should have gone out to see. This is what's wonderful about the last passage here. And Jesus cried out. He's off by himself. I don't know what scene this is setting. I don't know if he's yelling it down the street or yelling it in a dark room, but people could hear it from outside because he was, I don't know what the situation was. It doesn't set the scene. He said, he who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. So you believe in him, you believe in God. You see him, you see God. I have come as light into the world that whoever believes in me will not remain in darkness. Got the equation? We're talking about, did I go out to see the brilliance of Christ? Did I go out to see the glory of Christ? Did I encounter the glory of Christ? Did I believe in the glory of Christ? Because then I don't remain in the dark. If anyone hears my... This is, there's a reason this is in red. If anyone hears my sayings, and does not keep them. I do not judge him. I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has a judge. The word which I have spoken will be his judge on the last day. Notice it's all what he has said. His sayings, rejecting them, his word, what he has spoken. These will all be your judgment. I have not spoken on my own authority. The Father who sent me has himself given me commandment what to say and what to speak. You think he's leaning on this a little bit? That if you went out to see him, far more important that the Greeks heard what he said than met him. People... They're curious, the gossips, they want to, oh, you, you did a miracle, I don't, can you sign this, can you sign my jacket? Oh, you were raised from the dead, yeah. can I get a picture with you? Oh, you're just going to start talking, oh, I'm done, out of here, shut up. I can't agree with you. The Lord's saying, you know, that's what I came about, what I said. The Gospels, thank God we were given four of them. Where what he says, for a very short time, when John says at the end, if, if everything he had said was written down, the world would not contain the books. Oh, gee, we missed a lot. <laughs> but what we gained, what he has spoken, what to say, what he spoke, all was told to him by God. And that commandment 
The subject is eternal life. I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has bidden me. There's a lot of different ways we can be. We can be jealous of Christ's, you know, leading people, your friends, into a deeper walk, and you're not quite ready for the deeper walk. Ever encountered that? You walk in a deeper way with Christ, and people that you hang out with, oh, man. Don't, go, don't get so radical. Family members, churches, Did I ever tell you the story about the Baptist church in California that didn't like me baptizing out at the lake and they were telling somebody that I, I shouldn't because God, God provided church buildings so that we could be baptized inside. And in their baptismal in that church, there was an outside scene painted on the back of the baptismal. I just, you know, I mean, I even had palm trees out where I was baptizing people. And I had a beard. It was like John the Baptist. It was really, really Baptisty. It was, uh, what was the name of the light? Sunbeam. Sunbeam like. People will object to you going on with Christ. You are about the light. You're not going to walk in darkness merely because Evan's got some notion of the church that gets in your way. Follow Christ. You want to see him. You want to see what he says. Do you know what he said? Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we are grateful for your son's death, burial, resurrection. We're grateful for the saints that we sit here with who are, uh, who are our family. And we thank you for that. Thank you for your words and your son's teaching to his disciples and their faithfulness in writing it down. Help us find it and believe it. In your son's name, amen.